Welcome to the Third Generation Networking Podcast with your hosts, Debbie and Greg Peters. Welcome back, networkers, to the Third Generation Networking Podcast. I'm Greg Peters, the Reluctant Networker, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Debbie Peters, the networking guru, my retired business partner, and of course, my mom, which you can't retire from. She's got that one forever. Hi, mom. Darn. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Thanks, mom. <laughs> so how are things going? Things are going well. I I harvested the first radishes this morning. So oh, how exciting. exciting. Yeah. I know that Abby will be very happy with that. She loves your radishes. So. Oh, then I'll have to bring them when we go camping. I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> All right. We are back this week with another of our all-star networking spotlights. Uh, these are the sessions where we open our networking Rolodex to you so you can have access to the ideas, resources, and people who can make your life more successful and significant. Our guest today is a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual in Toledo, Ohio, is a college baseball player at Bowling Green State University, a local newspaper reporter wrote of Dave that he may be the only player in the conference who could figure his batting average to the fifth decimal point while legging out an infield hit. Please welcome Dave Litzenberg. <laughs> Greg, think, Debbie, thanks for I having think- me. I think I'm just going to go away now. We've got two <laughs> people that are like math people. Like, well, it's it's funny because Dave, it, I I realize that we have kind of some similar backgrounds here. I mean, you were you was you were a a a math and computer science major, correct? Absolutely, that's right. I started in uh, math and chemistry, and after the first year of uh, going through labs and disproving every law that had ever been. Uh, established in chemistry I decided I was either the greatest chemist of all time or the worst and then I navigated my way into math and computer science what's what's the answer you want just tell me so I can get this over with well that that happened a few times too yeah (laughs) so uh now you are a financial advisor um can you tell us a little bit about what you do who you're trying to help uh so people can understand really more about who you are sure I'd be glad to thank you so uh, in, in our practice, in my practice, uh, uh, many people in the industry are lead with product types of people. Hey, I appreciate that you want to talk about X, but I'm going to try to push you down path Y. Mm. In our case, it's very much an analytical approach. Imagine that as a numbers guy. <laughs> Wait a right? minute, from you, Dave? <laughs> yeah, hard to, hard to believe. Um, so it's, um, we ask tons of questions gather information. Many times we'll hear people say that's, I've never had people ask me those questions. Mm -hmm. And then we'll put together a documented plan and uh, help them understand where they stack up with their personal, professional, financial goals. And assuming they choose to do so, we coach them through uh, successfully navigating those things. Okay. And of course there are solutions. There are things that we advise on and and bring to bear both uh, investments and insurance risk-based solutions. Um, but ultimately it's coaching people to financial success and they decide what financial success means. All right. Um, so how did, how did you get into this? I mean, I understand the analytical part of it, uh, but how did you suddenly decide, Oh, financial advisor, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Great. Uh, great question. So, um, <laughs> at, at age 58, back in 2017, I was, uh, a vice president of sales and marketing for a software company in, uh, in the area. And uh, the owner of the business's background was sales. And uh, on February 1st of that year, we met and he said, uh, 
I'm getting back into sales with both feet and I don't need you anymore. Oh, so uh, I had, uh, as I told my wife that day, was the first I had gotten cut from a team since I was nine years old. So it was a big <laughs> shock. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've always been a big networker. I thought uh, if something happened, if I was out of a job on a Friday, I'd be back in a new one by Monday. And what I hadn't taken into account was uh, people weren't falling all over themselves looking to hire 58-year-old people. Mm. So I uh, started doing some great networking, talking to people about some similar types of opportunities as what I'd been in for a number of years, IT sales and marketing software. And Northwestern Mutual and a few other financial services firms approached me and said, hey, had you ever thought about this, financial mm. advising? My answer was yes, but not seriously. And uh, <laughs> we had some, had some conversations. At one point, I said no. And uh, the recruiter, Carol Pickett, said, hey, but how about just one more conversation? Come on back in. And uh, frankly, uh, Brian Kurtz, who's our managing director in Toledo, uh, is the reason I'm here. Do the right thing for the client. Everything else will follow is Northwestern's approach, is Brian's approach, certainly has been my approach for years. And that's how I ended up at Northwestern Mutual and Financial Advising. Okay. I didn't realize Carol Pickett was the one that recruited you. I met Carol Pickett when I first moved to Toledo in 1992. She's an amazing lady. Just yeah. Terrific lady. Yeah. So now one of the reasons we really wanted to talk to you, uh, Dave, other than just, you know, you're a cool guy, um, was that uh, you recently launched uh, or very much an impetus behind the launching of a BNI chapter, uh, Business yes. Network International. Um, mm -hmm. And in particular, yours is a virtual chapter. Right. The, um, uh, the first all online chapter to form in the state of Ohio is my understanding. Okay, well, so, this, so you are really kind of a trail brothers. And I know when we went through COVID, uh, the, a lot of the chapters had to go virtual. All the chapters yes. had yeah, to all go. The, all the chapters mm -hmm. went virtual, but, right. but yours was the first one that was started intentionally to be a virtual chapter. So I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, you know, how that all came about, what the sort of the struggles were with that. Sure, be glad to talk about that. So uh, I had been a BNI member back in 2018, 2019, about, about 12 months, I was a, a member. And uh, what I didn't know at the time was that I joined a chapter that was not healthy. It was in a downward spiral. Okay. And we, we were working hard to try to right the ship. And eventually, uh, Jason Mattis, uh, the executive in Northwest Ohio said, hey, we're, there's just not enough critical mass here. We're going to shut your chapter down. We'd love to have you participate somewhere else. Um, and I was, uh, there were three of us Janelle Marzullo, Jeremy Wolf, and myself that had really been the, the key players in that chapter, trying to work hard to keep it going. And uh, Janelle said, why don't, we, why don't we kick off an incubator? Let's start a new chapter. And at that point in my uh, situation, I thought, you know, I've spent so much time trying to right the ship and make this one work. I just don't have the, the physical and mental energy to try to do that right now. So I, I took some time away, uh, had interviewed, uh, applied for a couple of other chapters as a financial advisor, as, as you and probably the listeners know, that's one of the more challenging roles to be able to find a position in an existing chapter. So after being told no, uh, a couple of times by the same chapter, frankly, there's another whole story in itself, 12 months apart, um, I was invited in uh, January of 2021 to be part of an incubator process. Okay. 
So uh, North BNI Northwest Ohio uh, was starting multiple chapters concurrently, yeah. and Jason Mattis was uh, was the person that was starting those. And I and you know, there's probably a uh, a couple more people on the first call than than are on this podcast, but was not large. It was what do you think about this? And we're going to meet every week, and ultimately we're going to launch chapters. Well, and as my as I understood it from Jason, t- at least traditionally, it's always been the people that are going to launch the chapter meet no one else, and no one no other chapters are meeting but this is the exact opposite of that right with the incubator people are meeting and then there be maybe several chapters that launch as a result of the, the ongoing meeting is that right exactly there were yeah. there were at least 3 different groups that were forming all concurrently in this incubator which makes so much sense because there's so much more synergy then Jason's statement was nobody wants to be a visitor and come to a, a quote unquote chapter meeting where there's two people sitting at the table. So right. <laughs> having, having a larger group across multiple chapters, more energy, more enthusiasm, each, each of us would invite visitors with the intent that ultimately they would be part of our group, if you will. But it was just a more energized interaction. It was uh, wasn't precisely a BNI meeting, as those of us that are involved know and love, but it was. It wasn't wildly different than that. Um, I one of my biggest challenges when I was a member in an in-person meeting was, by the time I would drive to help set up, help host, participate in, tear down, clean up, and drive back, it was a good three hours out mm-hmm. of the midday every Tuesday. And I thought, while we can do one-to-ones in person, and we do, we can do socials and coffee in person, there are lots of opportunities to do in-person events with a virtual weekly chapter. Having a more efficient weekly meeting was really important for, for me from the start. So I got involved with the, with the thought process of, I'm going to be part of a virtual chapter that meets weekly and does a lot of other things in person. Okay. So yours is very much a hybrid then. The, the, the primary uh, meeting is, is meant to be virtual, but you're still meeting in person to do one-to-ones and, and other social events. Absolutely. Um, okay. Because it's virtual, we could literally have uh, members from anywhere. Um, so far, it's been a very, I'll, I'll say concentric circles out from Toledo and Northwest Ohio. Okay. We've we've had visitors from Cleveland and Georgia and uh, Wisconsin. We've had them visit. So far, nobody remotely like that has uh, joined, but we certainly have the capabilities to do that if it made sense for all parties. No, that makes sense. Um, and I guess that would also uh, that would make it challenging for someone from Wisconsin to be a part of uh, because it's it's harder to do those those in person aspects. Although, you know, when, when we were going through COVID and I was visiting other chapters around the world, um, there are groups of people that are forming virtually um, that are, they're not official BNI groups, but they're, they're calling themselves a BNI group that are, um, for, they're forming for various reasons. They're coming together and um, they're, and they're, they're pulling people from all over the world to mm. these and they have. 78 people show up for these meetings. So there's, there's, I think there's a demand for it. It's mm-hmm. just figuring out how to make it all work. It, the, the one-to-ones, and I've done these, I'm sure you probably have done them. 
doing a virtual one-to-one, um, while not precisely the same as let's grab a coffee and sit across the table, most of the rest of it can be done virtually. That, yeah. that, that's, not, that's not at all insurmountable. Um, so I, I don't think that that would be an impediment to success. Okay. Um, but I, I do think there are, th- so our chapter, for example, and this was really, frankly, a, a big bellwether event for us. Um, Michelle Kravetsky, Ronald McDonald House here in Toledo, Northwest Ohio. We did a toy drive fundraiser just before the Christmas holiday last year as a chapter. Everybody that performed with one exception was chapter members, which was amazing. Uh, singing, uh, stand-up comedy, and um, the the growth that we had in our relationships as a chapter was amazing after we collectively got together and decided let's do something to benefit someone else. Mm. So you did a talent, you did a talent show? We, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, we had, uh, we had two chapter members that were uh, performers sing that were singers played, played guitar. In one case, the gentleman was as a songwriter, wrote his own stuff. Uh, one of our chapter members is a stand-up comedian and, uh, there was one other gentleman that was the um, the warm up act for our stand up comedian, <laughs> um, but yeah. So so Jason Mattis and his wife Jennifer attended that. Jason said, "Look, I've seen chapters do these things before. I've never seen a chapter with that much talent put it on themselves before. It was it was a fun event and really a big relationship building night for us." So who, did you put it on for the Ronald McDonald House, or was it just for your chapter? It was put on for the benefit of a toy yes. drive for Ronald yeah. McDonald House put on by BNI Prime Online Chapter. So, but it was not at the Ronald McDonald House. It was not. Uh, there was a, a pub, a bar yeah. in Toledo that was kind enough to allow us to have some space to do that. And uh, so we, uh, we were there and performed. Uh, the interesting thing is that, so uh, the quote unquote price of admission for people was bring a toy. Yeah. Uh, and if you didn't bring a toy, please, please bring some money that toys could be provided. And Michelle Kravetsky said after, after that occurred that um, they felt they had sufficient toys for the folks that were at the house already. And just before the Christmas holiday, a new family came in with a sizable number of kids and they would have been short toys for not only their child in the hospital, but the rest of the children. And uh, we felt really great about being able to do something small, but something that was meaningful for others through that process. That's wonderful. That's because um, I actually have a friend whose son uh, was diagnosed with leukemia about a little, probably almost two years ago now. And they were down in Columbus when he was diagnosed. And so they ended up staying down there. He was at, I, th- I guess, the children's hospital down there. And so they had the same thing happen for them over a holiday that, because she has, he's one of five. So their kids all received presents. So probably someone provided that for them like you did here, which is so nice. Ronald McDonald House may have been involved there too, like they are here. They're an amazing organization. Oh yeah, that's where they're staying. Takes great care of, of families mm-hmm. where uh, a son or daughter is in the hospital, typically for a, an extended period of time. And uh, in Toledo, they're celebrating their 40th anniversary. So I know they're 
they're trying to collect stories of families that have been involved in the house over the last 40 years to uh, share with the public. They just do a great job. Well, and then this leads to my next question, which you may already have answered. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, can, oh no, taking Greg out of order? You're taking me out of order. That's okay. Though. That's the goal, um, right, Debbie? We gotta yes. get got, got to get him on his toes so, here. Keep keep me off my off balance. That's all good. Uh, but you you've said that you were always been kind of a big networker. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a, a story about a time that you kind of realized that networking was going to be an important part of your life and your life success? So, so let me, let me tell you this story. Um, when, uh, when I was in high school, I was the president of student council in, in Finley. And uh, we had had a period of time where we were off school for an extended period of time. And I went and presented to the school board of the reasons why it would not be in the student's best interest to take away spring break and to extend the school year into the summer. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, encouraged very highly by my classmates to do that. And I did that. And it primarily it rebounded, resolved around jobs, going out looking for a summer job, starting a summer job. That was primarily my presentation. Well, there's a gentleman named Jerry Kramer uh, that was on the school board at the time. Jerry was uh, not the same terminology then, but Chief Information Officer of Marathon Oil Company at the time. I, I, I'm sure I met him that night. I met a lot of people. Um, but uh, so fast forward, I play baseball at Bowling Green. Jerry, years before that, had played basketball at Bowling Green. And my intent was I was going to stay on after my four years of undergrad. And I was immediately going to go into a master's program. I was going to get an MBA, potentially play a fifth year of baseball, although Coach didn't seem real excited about that at the time. So, uh, so I was not interviewing. And, uh, you know, as they do now, uh, organizations would send recruiters to campus and interview students that had an interest in potentially working for them. Well, I get a call uh, probably just after the holidays, uh, after Christmas holiday, uh, my senior year that uh, Jerry Kramer, the CIO at Marathon Oil at the time, had requested for me to interview with their recruiter when they were on campus for a potential IT position, which, you know, based on what I was studying, would be a perfect fit. And uh, I did, and they extended an offer. And so uh, while my intent was to likely stay around for a fifth year and get a master's, uh, I accepted the offer before our baseball team even went for spring break uh, my senior year for our uh, first baseball trip of the year. And so I accepted the offer and there's a great example of you just never know who you meet and become part of your network is going to have an influence one way or the other on your life and on your career. Mm. That's a great example of where I learned that having a good network is important. And frankly, I, I was, um, I guess I'll use smart enough here, respectfully. I was smart enough to realize that staying in close contact with Jerry Kramer, who was three levels removed my superior, would be a wise thing to have him as a mentor and coach as I started my career there. Oh, that's a great story. 
So, uh, you know, you've, you've created networking opportunities for others. You yourself are a great networker. What tips do you have for our, our listeners on how they could improve their own networking practice? So, um, I, I, and I'll, I think I'll start from this incubator scenario. So, um, what I would tell people is be aggressively patient. Aggressively get, patient. I love yes. that. Get out, get out and network like your life depends on it. Meet as many people as you possibly can, not with any preconceived notion of what can you do for me today, but certainly be very inviting. You know, the scenario of are you looking to grow your network or warm referrals a great source of how you do that. I'd love to introduce you to my team. I, I was doing that literally like my life depended on it aggressively. Mm. And I, it, you folks are seasoned, you know, probably the, the podcast listeners know the pace of those leading the charge is going to help dictate the pace of others that are following. So I, not just me, there were others, Chad Helbert, Jen Ramon, great people. Let's be aggressive and get out and invite lots of people to come. Now the patience part, getting the right people on the bus, getting the right people on the team is so critical. Don't be so impatient. That will just involve anybody in the process to be a member. You got to have the right people involved for the, their success and the chapter's success. So to me, that's, I would say patience in hiring if I were a hiring manager patience in involving people in the group. So that's where the aggressive patience comes in from my perspective. Okay. So uh, we'll be aggressively patient in our networking practice. Yes. What else should we do? I, I would say also that while it may um, seem like going out and finding people exactly like us is the best answer, I would tell you that finding people that are a great cross-section of life, people of different genders, people of different ages, ethnicities, is a really important part of having a great mix in a group. People that bring energy, people that don't. Uh, from my perspective, if you can have a group that's about a third highly experienced, a third somewhat experienced and a third really just getting started. That's a tremendous mix of people. Uh, there's great opportunities for mentor mentee relationships. There's great energy, especially in the people that are earlier in their, in their careers. So I, I think that's been a really important part that isn't necessarily obvious. Well, and I would argue that, that, you know, that, that's not, that's not important only for a networking group, like, like BNI, that's important for your network in general. I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> having, having a widely diverse, yeah, in life, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things I uh, probably didn't realize early on in my career as a financial advisor was that just because I had relationships with people very similar to me age, point in life, it didn't necessarily mean that was the, <laughs> the best target market for me. Because imagine that people, as we get a little older in our life, in our careers, may think or at least say, I'm good and not even be open to a conversation and hear what could potentially benefit them. Mm. 
So I had to be very intentional to push down, not, not as though I'm looking down on someone, but push younger demographically to people maybe more mid-career, earlier in career, double income, have family members, because there's lots of planning that needs to be done there. And if I was going to survive and succeed in this role, if I tried to do that exclusively with people just like me, uh, I was going to be out of this career pretty fast. Mm. Well, everyone would be figuring out all the analytics to the eighth decimal point, And they would never make a decision, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun to work with people that want to know the why. But it's a challenge. I found out long ago, it's a challenge to work with people that want to find why you're wrong. And that's their whole focus in life. <laughs> I, used to, I, worked for a, I worked for a manager in a past life that, life that if they couldn't pick apart your presentation and find at least one thing you didn't do that they would have done, <sighs> that they, their day was not complete, that became a tiresome thing. So you're right, that, Debbie. That manager should have gone away. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, uh, besides BNI, uh, what other groups do you, what other networking groups do you belong to? So formally and informally, uh, I'm very involved in two uh, very specific groups for different reasons. There's a group here in Toledo, here in Northwest Ohio called the Catholic Business Network. Okay. And, and we get together four times a year in person. It's a great opportunity to network. We have a, a featured speaker. Every time we get together, one does not have to be Catholic to participate, although there's a very Catholic uh, focus to the group. Mm -hmm. And that's a group that my heart is involved with for lots of reasons. Interestingly enough, uh, I got connected to this group before it formed through a gentleman named Rich Cronin. Rich owns uh, Perrysburg Auto Mall uh, and other car dealerships. When I was between jobs in 2017, Rich was doing a similar set of talks at his dealership, having speakers come in. And had I not been out of work, I'd have not met Rich, had not, would not have had the opportunity to come to those events and get to know some amazing people that started this Catholic Business Network. That's a group I feel great about. And frankly, it's a very easy ask for me, for people in my network to say, would you like to come and meet some other great people? Very easy ask. So the other one that I'm very involved in comes from my baseball background. Um, back when COVID hit, the Bowling Green baseball team, uh, Bowling Green State University and other schools uh, were very much under the gun financially because funds from the state and enrollment were down. And uh, Bowling Green, uh, many schools made a decision similar to this, different schools, different athletic teams. Bowling Green made a decision that it was going to cut its baseball program, just didn't have the funding to keep it going. Uh, I had great experiences uh, with Bowling Green baseball. I have great friendships that have and will continue to last my whole life. Uh, a group of us, I was not the, the impetus to, to this, so I certainly don't want to act like I'm trying to step up and pat myself on the back, but a group of alumni banded together and said, we need to try to fix this and went out and fundraised over an 18 day period, raised a million and a half dollars. And uh, God bless Dr. Rodney Rogers, president of the university. He was willing to work with us 
and to my knowledge is the only only university in the country that had cut a program and reinstated it at all, let alone 18 days later. So the Bowling Green, uh, I frankly, I'd gotten a little complacent. Uh, not that I don't love Bowling Green baseball and love the people that I knew. I'd gotten a bit disconnected from the current program, the current players. This pulled not just me, but many of us that had been involved over the years back into our love relationship with Bowling Green Baseball and our fellow players. So mm. I'm very involved with, and there's no formal Bowling Green State University alumni baseball group, <laughs> not, a fo- not formally, but very, very organized, somewhat informally. That's a group that I great, have a great uh, love for, very involved in, still involved with helping raise money, not just for operations, but trying to help fund some facility improvements there to stellar field, the home of the Falcons as well. Excellent. <clears throat> so now you are, uh, you are the vice president of your chapter right now for BNI, correct? That's correct. Um, going forward. I, I know that with BNI, you're always looking to bring in new members and develop over time. So uh, who are you looking for? Who, who would really benefit from being a part of, uh, of your BNI group? Now remind me again, what's the name of your group? So our group is called BNI Prime Online. And um, we, we have, so uh, BNI touts an eight by six chart, top six um, power teams or focus groups around uh, the common topics of events, financial services, business services, home services, trades, and personal services. We've got a great start in financial services, business services, home services. Really, we're trying to get trades. We've got a, a handy name, handyman named Blair Johnson that's a cornerstone to that group. We're trying to get an HVAC distributor, uh, uh, a flooring company, a window and door provider, roofers. From a, a personal services standpoint, we've got Stephanie Prayer, who's a nutritional supplements person. We're trying to get chiropractors and uh, massage therapists and people that are uh, home care providers. And then, frankly, the events team, uh, although Rob Carpenter, who's very involved in uh, some promotional products, T-shirts and and other things, works on events, uh, photographers, florists and uh, caterers and travel agents. Those are those are some great people that we would love to have come and visit our group looking for the opportunity to potentially uh, you know, gray their networks and ultimately maybe want to be a part of what we're trying to accomplish. All right. Well, now if, if someone in, in any of these groups or maybe others uh, were interested, how could they get in touch with you? So the easiest way to get in touch with me, with me would be to either uh, reach out on my mobile number, uh, 419-283-3044. Uh, welcome to call me there. If I don't get the call, I'll gladly respond. Um, or email me. I'll use my uh, business email for this. And it's a lot stuffier than I wish. Uh, I'm not quite this stuffy a guy. Uh, but my email is david.a.litzenberg, full last name, B-E-R-G, at NM, as in Northwestern Mutual, NM.com. Well, it's nice that the second part after the at is so short because the first part is... <laughs> right. If it, if it were all that short, it'd be fabulous. <laughs> 
All right. Now, before we let you go, uh, one question I owe, unless mom has any questions she wants to jump in on. Well, I want to know, are you going to the baseball games? I have, been go- I have been going, Debbie. In fact, uh, we had an alumni weekend uh, back in April and uh, roughly 10 of the guys in my area era were back together. Oh, uh, I bet that was fun. Gentleman from Arizona flew in, guy from Philadelphia came up, gentleman from Tennessee came back. And while uh, we've got a, the interesting thing is most of us are on a text chat group that we uh, reformed just before COVID hit. Literal, literal, uh, little did we know mm-hmm. what was about to happen, but, but that was what helped us reconnect. But we, we are involved. I took, I took my son who's actually going to be t- turning 14 tomorrow to a game within the past few years. So this, uh, this enthusiastically or uh, energetically patient, uh, he's got both, uh, or excuse me, he's got the energetic side. Patience, probably for me, <laughs> not his greatest attribute. And unfortunately, Bowling Green got behind substantially early in the game and, and he was ready to leave uh-huh. after the first, first inning. So uh, I, do, I do try to get back. I'm, I'm constantly watching how they're doing online if I can't be at the game. So thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah. What, and what position did you play when you were playing? So Debbie, I was a second baseman. Oh. Uh, uh, however, I was a walk-on. I was on the team. I, I was on an academic scholarship. So yeah. frankly, I probably had as much or more money as any of the players on the team had, yep. but mine was funded by the, actually through the president's office at the university. Uh, my senior year, uh, I was probably at best going to be the third string second baseman. And uh, on our trip to Florida, our starting first baseman got hurt about the second or third day down there. And uh, the salesman and Dave came out and convinced the coach that I was also a first baseman. <laughs> Although I hadn't, I had not played there since I was 12 years old. I didn't, I didn't lead with that story and convinced the coach that I could fill in until the first baseman got healthy again. And uh, unfortunately, he had a tough year. But when he did come back, I'd play one game of a doubleheader at second base, and I played the other game of a doubleheader at first base. So, so you knew was, the first base stretch then? I so. did. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, first baseman out there. I apologize. A lot easier position to play than second base. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was able to do that, and it, it, I was fortunate to have a really good senior year. It was a blessing to be a part of that. Excellent. So, Dave, in all your experience, this is usually the question we ask right at the end here. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you've received over your life that you'd like to pass along to our listeners? Uh, and I'm, I'm going to think big picture here. My, my, what I've personally received and what I try to give is always, always, always do the right thing for the client and always deliver more than what's expected. And if we live our lives that way, I think, uh, I think it's always going to be a better place. So who was the first person that said that to you? I, you know, I, I was trying to think of that as I was uh, thinking about that question. And I, I share that a lot. And I, I, I'm going to say it might've been John Hammerstein, who was the uh, manager of the uh, customer engineers, the people that repaired the computers at IBM when I was in Lima, Ohio, 
John, quite frankly, could have been anything in life that he wanted to be professionally and was in Lima because that's where was best for his family. And I learned so much from John, although I didn't work directly for him. He was so uh, instrumental, like many people in my life. My parents, my grandfather, who was a football coach and a math teacher. Uh, but John, I got to believe, is where I really picked that up and stuck with me through life. That's great. That's an excellent, excellent piece of advice. Well, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate your coming in and visiting with us today. Um, and thank you all for tuning in to our program. Uh, if you enjoyed it and you got a few ideas out of it, maybe uh, you want to think about joining a BNI group, please do comment on our Facebook pages. The information is in the episode notes. Uh, maybe talk about you know, how are, are you a part of BNI and what's been your experience with that? If you'd like to hear more, of course, we do come back every single week. So do subscribe so we don't miss you. And until next time, go out and make some great connections. Dave, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mom. We'll see you soon. Bye, Dave. Thanks, thanks Greg, Greg and Debbie. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to the Third Generation Networking Podcast with your hosts, Greg and Debbie Peters. If you'd like to learn more about our new virtual training programs, go to connectnation.com.